if you're sharing positive stuff today and negative stuff tomorrow, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, you need to be consistent and you need to decide for yourself what you need to be in the world. Bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. EveryoneHatesMarketer.com is a podcast for digital marketers who are sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I interview no-nonsense marketers who are not afraid to cut through the bullshit and say things as they are. So during this show, we learn how to get more visitors, more leads, more customers, more long-term profit by using good marketing, by treating people the way we like to be treated. Uh, head over to everyonehatesmarketers.com to subscribe to the email list. Uh, we'll, be, we'll notify you before anybody else of our future guests. Uh, you'll also help us to come up with great questions for the future guests. Uh, you'll also get access to uh, the numbers in terms of number of listens and downloads of the podcast. And also quite simply to have great one-to-one -one conversation if you need any help. In episode number five of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, I interview Violeta Netkova from VioletaNetkova.com. She also has an, an academy that she calls the Creative Rebel Academy. You can find that on CreativeRebelAcademy.com. And she's all about connecting with noble cheaters and world changers. Um, she really wants to do marketing her own way. She really wants to, to help others and manage their business their own way, which is really interesting. Her life story as well is really interesting. So she's going to tell us how she went from job to job before finding what she loved. She's going to tell us how to deal with bullshit on, on internet and, and how she deals with it. She's also going to share how she uses Twitter efficiently. I learned a few bits from her on this one. She's also going to share her biggest pet peeves online, and there are quite a few uh, that I have to agree with. And finally, I think the most important thing, she's going to share how to really stand out as a marketer or as a business. And I learned quite a few bits from her on this as well. So have a listen and let me know what you think. Hi, Violeta. Hi, Louis. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, talk to me. How are you? I'm very good. It's cold here in Bulgaria. Oh, is it? Yeah, freezing. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> I, in Ireland, it's always bad weather, so it's not like it's, it's going to change. So I have a very a first question for you. What's better? <laughs> is it to take care of your stray cats or is it to take care of your tribe of digital rebels? <laughs> What do you mean by better? <laughs> you decide. You tell me. <laughs> Oh gosh, these days I'm, uh, I'm split between the two because, because I never used to be like this. You know, I used to like every other person, I used to just walk down the street and kind of close my eyes to the reality of things. And then, and then one day I just opened my eyes and I can never close them again. You know what I mean? It's like when you realize, for example, something horrifying, like, oh my God, the government is like, lying to you or <laughs> recording stuff or something like that and you're like in shock and you can never trust anyone ever again just like that <laughs> all right so you still need to answer the question sorry <laughs> you, you still need to say what, which one is better no i'm i mean like you don't have to uh it was just a, a way to introduce the fact that yes you are quite quite active online i mean i've been following you on twitter for the last few months and i like i like what you do because it's, it's very positive. So I do, yeah, I do follow you because it gives me, keeps me in a good mood. I know that if I read your tweets, it's never going to be about complaining. It's always about, you know, positive things. And I think 
in these days and age, you know, it is day and age, we, we kind of need that. Um, but yeah. you also, so you have a business, but you also, uh, I've seen that on Twitter recently, you also take care of stray cats in where you <laughs> are, right? So you've, you've raised funds yeah. for them, which is quite nice of yeah. you to do. I'm, I'm trying to be a positive force in the world because like there's enough bad stuff out there. And um, I feel like there need to be people who are like rays of sunshine and like, like in my latest blog post, I just wrote like, what do you want your emotional legacy to be? I really believe in that because like if if you're sharing positive stuff today and negative stuff tomorrow, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, you need to be consistent and you need to decide for yourself what you need to be in the world. So you need to decide whether to be positive all the time or negative all the time. So, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, like I have negative moments like everyone, but like I try not to share them because I know people have enough of those. I try to just limit them to my immediate friends or just to my cat or something like just to myself and then try to share when overly share when I'm uh, positive because I, I know people need that. I feel like I, I've decided that and I'm going to stick with that decision, whatever comes. And do you have one cat or many cats? Yeah, yeah, one cat, but I'm feeding so many cats right now on the street. <laughs> so what do you do? What's the process there to, to, to take care of those cats? So there used to be like little kittens and I used to, um, you know, build houses for them and just feed them and stuff like that. But unfortunately, the, most of them died because people don't tell you that when they're in the street, the little ones die from viruses. And I was just so upset. That's why I started to to gather funds because I want to like I want the cats to be castrated. I want there to not be any baby kittens in the streets because it's just depressing, it's sad, and it's horrible of us to allow it to happen. So anyway, yeah, so I just feed them and try to castrate as many as I can. <laughs> and so far, what's what's the result in terms of numbers? How many have you helped? Um, well, we've cured like a few kittens. We've castrated a few cats and like little by little, you know, baby steps because I'm just uh, it's just me and a couple more women because apparently men don't care about that. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, uh, my three first, what do you call them? Sponsors? Donators? Yeah, something? sponsors, yeah. Yeah, they, they're men. They're all men. So, like, no women donated. <laughs> bad, 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 bad. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's very nice of you to do. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. I probably haven't, but... There is this guy, uh, in France who's quite well known for having done a lot of prank videos in the, in the last few years. Who, uh. it's not a negative story actually. It's very uplifting. He, mm -hmm. he decided to get into a cage in a, in an animal shelter. So he got into a cage in an animal shelter and he said he wouldn't, he won't leave the cage until they raise, I think it's $150,000 or euros. But he's staying there 24-7, so he's doing everything there, if you know what I mean. So he's literally taking it to the next stage, and he made so much noise out of it that they raised already more than 150,000 euros. 
but this guy used to be quite not hated, but a lot of people would love him because he's very funny and, you know, and a lot of people would hate him because he's doing sh- stupid things like, you know, blocking, <laughs> blocking the traffic while wearing a, uh, a snail costume or that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's these kind of things that are actually needed sometimes to wake people up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk to more about you yourself, cats. So you studied psychology, right? Yeah. In England. In England, yeah. And there's one aspect of it I'd like you to tell uh, tell me more about, which is positive psychology. Oh, yeah, I love that. So what that is it? That's my favorite kind. Yeah, positive psychology is just uh, not focusing on the past and on the negative uh, and helping people to overcome whatever, but actually pos- uh, focusing on the positive things in your life to to kind of build them up. So so you focus on the positive, more positive comes and more positive and more positive. And until one at one point you've built these positive habits of thinking, of doing, etc. And then there comes a point where you're just this gratitude and these positive uh, this positive thinking attracts more gratitude and positive thinking. So so it's like instead of Oh my God, I'm so, uh, you know, I, I'm so sad or this sucks or whatever. Instead of fixing, trying to fix negative things and looking to the past for reasons why everything sucks, you actually look at the good and soon you forget about the bad. You know, it's like you focus on one and the other one just fades away. Mm. That's what I love. Yeah. So, yeah, I like this idea. So instead of focusing on, on fixing, the bad things you basically when you do that when you try to fix bad things you focus on them right yeah, and therefore exactly. you yeah and therefore it's difficult to make some room for the positive uh, in yeah, your life so, yeah so so in positive psychology you focus on gratitude mindfulness you know thinking about the good things that happened uh, to you throughout your day and just like everything's about habit you know building those habits every single day when you wake up when you go to bed you think of the good things and yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about that, I think, because I think for the digital marketers out there who, who are listening, I think this is something that is relevant to them as well as anybody else. So I will ask a few, you a few questions in the next few minutes about t- actual tips on how to, to stay positive. But before that, so you study psychology and then you started as a freelance writer, correct? Well, <laughs> it's it's a long story, you know, because I... Wow, what did I start off as? I worked in a kitchen, I guess. <laughs> okay. So while I was studying, I worked in a kitchen. After that, I started working on online projects. And while I was working on those projects, people were contacting me for my writing. So yes, I wrote a little, I consulted a little, and I ended up just consuming everything about marketing as as I could because I realized what I loved doing was marketing. I didn't even know it was, you know, blogging, social media, etc. It was just some kind of organic ma- marketing that I was just in love with. So it kind of happened naturally. Um, you worked in the kitchen until until you were able <laughs> to found until you were able to to found yourself to um, to work full time on this or. Uh, yeah, it was just like, you know, it was expected of me to find a job. So I was looking for jobs, job after job, and they all sucked, you know, like, 
taking care of people and just like working in kitchens and I don't know I, I never tried waitressing because I'm very clumsy but like I tried almost everything you know flyers and stuff and and I did that because I was supposed to find like a job because everyone was saying that I was a flake that I was like not serious enough that I was weird that I was creative and then suddenly you know I and I always did those projects on the side, never for money, just for fun. And at one point I realized, why am I always doing this and never making money? Why am I not trying to make money? Uh, because I never believed it to be work. I thought it was just fun, a hobby. And, and I was just buying into this crap that society teaches you that you're supposed to find a job a boring job that's going to bring the money and you can do whatever you want in your free time. This is bullshit, you know, because in our generation, we can do whatever we want and we can make money off it. I really believe that. And in terms of timeline, when was the first time you had, you received money from, from your fun work, from the work you actually love doing? Oh gosh, I think it was, it was an article about... Uh, about using the tarot cards for for writing exercises like like um it was a writing exercise with the tarot cards i don't know why but uh they paid me like 10 cents or something <laughs> it was it was back in the day when when nobody paid you for writing i guess it was really <laughs> it was really early maybe it was in high school not even in in university um but yeah it was just like a while back. <laughs> so when you were working on the sides, you were doing those projects for fun. Is, was there a time between when you started your, your business as a marketing coach and before that, was there a time where you were making money on the side as well? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so after I... Okay, so I graduated and after graduating, I was really, really confused. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I decided to travel, right? I'm a young person. I wanted to travel, of course. And and so I tried all pairing, like uh, looking after kids uh, and living with the family so I can, you know, not uh, not have to, you know what I mean? Like to save money for, for bills and stuff. So anyway... I went to live in Rome and that's when I started yet another project, you know, because I always did those, but I never made much money off it because I wasn't uh, starting with this money mindset. You know, I was just like, I was just thinking of it as a hobby, as a fun thing to learn, you know, uh, websites and to learn how to blog properly and how to learn like uh, branding and whatever. Anyway, so. In 2012, I believe, I went to Rome. And and I think in 2013, I started the project. And when I started the project, people started noticing my writing. And once they started this avalanche of like a few months of my name getting out there, and then people coming to me instead of me having to go to them. And then someone asked me, why don't you consult or something? And that was like 2014. And I was like, uh, me consultant? I'm like a child. I can't, I don't know anything. <laughs> but of course, that was in my mind. I wasn't 
saying that, but, <laughs> but people were like trusting me to consult them. So I was like, okay, I can make money doing this. And I did. And then I saved up my money to start a business. So basically I didn't start a business just from nowhere. I had saved up money from the consulting and then I, I jumped, you know, because I had a safety net of money. Uh, I've saved, saved up money so I could start my business and, and, you know, just like be patient, not be like, Oh my God, I have to make money <laughs> right away because that's stressful. That's really stressful. It is indeed. And do you remember how you got your first big client when you started your business? Yeah. Do you mean from the co consulting or from the coaching? From consulting first, the, wh whichever, whichever appeared first. Yeah, it was uh, the biggest for consulting was my friend, Mike. We were working on this meeting app that he's still working on. But unfortunately, there was a problem in communication. And even though we worked so well, like for, I don't know, six months or so, um, eventually we just kind of grew apart. I don't know if you know this kind of thing that happens between people when they're super similar And they kind of like mold together and start like brainstorming and everything is so similar and you're getting along and stuff, but you're not complimenting each other. So in time, you just kind of start arguing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, I do. It's, 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 you call it like you, the first few weeks or months would be very good because you share stuff yeah. that you agree with and you're like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, I completely agree with you. I share the same vision. But I think after a while when you dig into the actual things and the to-dos, then yes, you might yeah. argue. And Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, I have no regrets. I don't think he does either. Um, and after that, um, I, I had one more big client. And after that, I had my first big coaching client. And I was like super excited because she was the most positive person in the world. And I enjoyed so much working with her and it was like a dream come true. You know, I was like, oh my God, this is actually happening. And then there was a fall because every time there's like, like going up, there's going down. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so do you remember how, how did she get in touch with you? How did she find you, this client, this ideal client? Oh, yes. She, uh, she had read my articles and she said, you know, I followed your articles. I followed your emails for a while and I finally decided to reach out. So basically it was the, the content marketing side of things that, that drew her in because I really believe that content marketing is what draws people in instead of you kind of trying to push them to, to buy or whatever. Yeah, I think that's the best. It's probably the best type of lead or prospects that you receive because those people have been reading your stuff. They've been educated like mm -hmm. about your way of thinking. So if they decide to contact you, then there must be a fit into yeah. the way you, th you, the way you think and the way they think. Yeah, exactly. And it's really important to, to be really, really clear about what you're, what you're about and what you're not about because like, Um, for example, at the start of my business, I was very general and I was a little bit confused, but in time it kind of narrowed down. So it's like, sometimes you have to have faith in the, 
um, in the road ahead. You just have to know that it's going to happen eventually. And, and, and if I had, you know, if I were worried about money, I wouldn't have let this road unveil, uh, and unveil, if you know what I mean. So basically it's really important to have a safety net so you can, you can take this time to, um, discover that road that's perfect for you and perfect for your business, I guess. Yeah, instead of having to rush to make money, if it's something you don't like. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I've done that a lot. <laughs> mm. We all have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of people have. Right. I wanted to come back to what we started to touch on a few minutes ago. So this podcast is really for digital marketers who are sick of marketing bullshit. But I think that there's a lot that they could use, like a lot of tips that you could tell us now that they could use in their daily work. Because it's not easy to go against the grain. It's not easy to mm -hmm. call bullshit when you see it. It's not easy to forget about all the bad things happening in the world. So the first question around that is that how do you disconnect from all the bullshit around you? That's a great question because I feel like I connect to it every day. <laughs> It's everywhere and there's no way not to see it, you know, but Um, I feel like when, when I OD on the bullshit, I, um, which is almost every week, uh, okay, maybe once every two weeks, um, I actually stop doing what I'm doing and um, try to have an entire day of, of only seeking information or content or just doing the stuff I love that inspires me that is pure and truly inspirational. So for me, for example, sometimes it's TED Talks, sometimes it's just reading articles by my favorite rebels. Sometimes it's just painting or, you know, going for a walk or just spending time with whatever, just, just kind of like complete, um, the complete opposite of what I've been doing to, to get in so deep with the bullshit. And, and obviously Every day you have to make a conscious decision to kind of lean towards your preferred content or, you know, uh, marketing or businesses or philosophies or whatever. It's like every single day you're tempted to sink <laughs> into the bullshit, but like you have to remind yourself, okay, for example, I'm scrolling down Twitter And there's so much bullshit. And I'm like, okay, no, 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 this is bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> and then, and then something like, like a gem in the rough. But uh, the thing is that with Twitter, I use lists. So, so most of my lists do not have this kind of bullshit everywhere. I mean, it's inevitable, but it's not like every single tweet. It's like yeah. every other tweet. <laughs> so you create your bullshit free Twitter list. So to summarize, exactly. so tip number one, if you really feel over overwhelmed by all the BS out there, read or watch content or, or resources that make you basically reconnect with your purpose, with your core, with your, whatever you believe in. Okay. And one of one way to do that is to, Like, for example, what I do when I feel down and I feel quite negative about it, I, I would watch videos from Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, yeah, sure. And like in two minutes, this guy just 
Yeah. Just turn you around and say like, why are you fucking complaining? Get yeah. your ass in, <laughs> do some work. And like, Good okay. <laughs> like, okay, Gary, okay. I promise I'm going to start working again. Uh, and then you mentioned, yeah, I think a good tip as well for people using Twitter, because as you mentioned, I think this channel could be very negative, especially during when there are news that are quite, uh, you know, could be quite bad for the world or whatever it is. I think there's a lot of noise around it. Um, so using lists, selecting people that you know are very positive people who at least don't talk about politics or don't, don't talk about subjects you don't want to hear from is also mm -hmm. a good tip. What uh, Twitter tool do you use? Do you just use the platform or what tool do you use? I used to use a tweet deck and I, I do use a buffer always without buffer. I would be crazy because, because I manually like um, program all the tweets for the next week or two. And um, that's not all the tweets that like just 30% of the tweets, but it makes me like um, it reassures me to know that every day there's going to be these five times of the day that there's going to be a tweet going out. Um, so, so that people don't forget me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I've read that on your, on your post and you're completely right to say that. I think the more, if you're consistent and you post things regularly, people will see you as, uh, as somebody who's, uh, who's very positive and consistent. So, yeah, yeah exactly. So I think consistency is key to, to build trust, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and value, you need to give people value every day. And I feel like one of my strengths is, you know, curation, you know, finding the, the best stuff out there and no bullshit stuff. And, and I'm happy to share it with people because it makes me happy too. And what tool do you use to manage your list then if you're not using TweetDeck anymore? Uh, my fingers. <laughs> wow. So you have... You go to twitter.com and you just go to the list. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you read the tweets from a particular list on Twitter? What tool do you use to do that? Yeah, I just go to the list. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, sometimes it's easier to use TweetDeck and like look at them like um, in parallel. But the, the problem is that it, it makes me a little bit distracted. Like I'm, I'm seeing so many things that I can't really see anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'd like to dig deeper into the marketing, digital marketing more particularly. And what we'll, I'd like to do now is trying to get into the, the daily action plan. We can get into like actual tips, actual things that people can take away from this conversation and apply to their okay. job tomorrow, okay. even today. Uh, but before that, I'd like to uh, ask you a question about the internet in general and the state of it. Yesterday or two days ago, I was looking at this webpage where basically two thirds of it was full of ads. So, you know, you had the top of it with ads, <laughs> the bottom with ads. Within the text, there were, you know, interstitial ads, that kind of stuff. So I call that, we call that in, in, in our business, you know, marketing bullshit. And in, it's basically internet pollution. You pollute yeah. a very beautiful tool yeah. and you make it horrible for, for us to use. So my question to you is how, how do you think we as marketers, what could we do to make the internet better? First of all, don't use ads. Like I don't even see the point in ads because uh, nobody really makes a lot of money from it. 
And, and secondly, it just ruins the reader experience. Like, uh, for example, I have a few um, people that I really admire. And, and this one time I went to the to one of these people's website and I noticed there was an ad at the top. And okay, it's not too obvious, but I questioned, like I was questioning her judgment. Why would she do that? Why would she put it there when when it doesn't really bring you that much money and and it ruins kind of it ruins your website because your website is branded and everything fits fits together and suddenly you see this kind of thing that's flashing or I don't know scrolling or moving or whatever and um, and just makes me question people's judgment especially when I go to a website okay this time definitely not of a person I respect. I go to a new website and there's pop-up. Okay, close. Another pop-up. Close. Third pop-up. Oh my God. <sighs> okay, this is, I kill for this. I kill for this. <laughs> uh, I, I think you mentioned something interesting. You said that you were questioning, for the first example you gave, you were questioning her judgment. And do you think it had any impact on on your trust to to her? Honestly, I respect everyone's decisions. They can do whatever they want with their brands. And and like um there are a lot of people I respect who do things I don't like, but that doesn't mean that um those are bad things because sometimes I just don't like something. Like, you know, the fact that I don't like um, I don't know, pumpkin juice. I mean, some people like pumpkin juice. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but um, but yeah, sometimes when there's serious pollution on their website, I do have to kind of, uh, my judgment of them has to lean from from really good impression to kind of bad. And I have to ask myself, are they really a rebel? Because I'm um, I'm compiling this database of creative rebels. And... And as a result, I have to look at the whole picture. Are they giving value? Are they, um, you know, spamming people? Um, what strategies do they use? What are they, uh, their values? What do they believe in? Et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like a few people, only a few people have dropped out because I can't decide. Uh, you know, on the one hand, they're doing great stuff and they're giving value and they um, you know, they're saying things from their mouth that are great. But on the other hand, some of their strategies are really, really not sleazy, but really annoying, you know, really annoying. They, it ruins the, the, the experience, my experience, and it, it kind of wastes my time. And I, you know, everyone, my time is precious. So, so basically a few people have dropped out because of this. But only a few because because I mostly forgive, you know, stuff that is not really important. And is there any are there any best practices or, you know, conventional wisdom about marketing uh, on in Internet, on Internet in particular that you think are just plain wrong? I there's one thing that I think is wrong, but I feel like that's my opinion and I'm not sure how many others Feel, feel it's wrong and there's some things that I know a lot of people hate so 
There's some things, yeah. So, for example, webinars. I don't like webinars. You know, um, it, it looks kind of fake to me when in the beginning you say, hey, hi, Lisa, hi, Chelsea, hi, Donald, hi. And and you're thinking, oh, I'm having contact with these people. But no, you're not having contact with these people. You're listing names. And and then you're, you know, you're um, giving your presentation, your workshop. This is great value. But then you ask for money at the end. And uh, if I ever do a webinar, it's, my webinars are going to be different because I do respect that this is a very solid strategy. And I believe it works. But mine are going to be different because... Because there are these pet peeves that I need to change in my strategy. Other people can do whatever they want, but like the things that I don't like, I'm never going to do. What's your alternatives to webinars? Uh, probably just like a workshop where, where there's more of a conversation and, and more of a, like, like an exercise that you're doing something together. Uh, I'm doing these uh, video exercises now. And I'm really looking forward to like doing something together with the, the viewers, but we'll see how that goes. And, um, and, and I feel like I really like interactive things where, where there's a real connection and there's something going on instead of me teaching someone, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to teach people. I just want to engage people. Um, and another thing that I don't always understand in marketing is, uh income reports those i really don't get because like i don't really care how much money you made <laughs> i mean that's transparent i'll give you that transparency is great i really love transparency but uh if there's something really valuable like a valuable conclusion or giveaway uh not giveaway but like a takeaway from your income report, I am going to appreciate it. But if you're just giving me the numbers and what you did and what you got and taxes and stuff, and I'm like, what is the point of this? Like, what is the reason? What is my takeaway? You know what I mean? I do. Um, to come back to the first point you made about webinars, which I think is very yeah. good. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's a good idea for people out there, instead of just doing a one-way conversation where you just present slides Yeah. It could be a great idea to have much more of a dialogue, as you said, where you invite people for five minutes at a time and you help them individually on their business or, or whatever it is that you're helping them with. Uh, so I think that's a very good tip. And the second thing about income reports, <laughs> that's actually funny because we started to do, to do them, to, to publish them. <laughs> and I, yeah. I agree with you. I like on its own transparency for the sake of transparency is, is complete bullshit. <laughs> so transparency in order to build trust, to be a better leader, to connect with customers. I think it's, it's great. Now our income reports, we, so we do them for two reasons. Number one is internally, it kind of keep us accountable. Yeah. And number two, we try to give context to each of them. So when we had a bad month, we try to explain why we had a bad month and try to give mm -hmm. a I guess trying to help people who had a bad month to understand right. that it's okay as well yeah. to be shitty. So yeah, yeah. we don't only publish income reports when things are going well. And I think that's bad. Yeah, when you only course, do that, you know? That's so, really important. Yeah. But you're, and you're right. And I think it's important to challenge this because sometimes we can be quite complacent about talking about ourselves and forgetting that people are reading it. Um, 
Yeah, and you made a really important point about uh, not just sharing things just because, just for the sake of transparency, because sometimes you get an email and you think, oh my God, this person just wanted to be a trans- uh, transparent. Like they didn't, this is not authentic. This is just, uh, they were following a trend because, you know, there's been this trend to be transparent. And that's a great thing, but but it kind of feels iffy. It kind of like you feel when it's not authentic, coming from an authentic place, you feel that they just did it for the trend, for the, you know, building trust as a marketer. But like, you're not supposed to think about it. You just supposed to do it. You just do it. You enjoy the process, you do it and whatever comes. But, um, and of course you have to have strategies and that's a valuable strategy, but but when you do it just for the trend, it kind of kills the the mood, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't remember who said that, but it's a uh, an interview we made uh, an episode of the mm-hmm. podcast uh, before. I'm gonna have to find the name. But he mentioned that those type of companies and people who just follow trends for the sake of following them will mm-hmm, die anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna it's gonna die anyway the way they're doing yeah. it, and the only only the the true like transparent people who really believe in it will keep doing it and be authentic right yeah can you imagine someone uh, following all the trends every day they would be doing different things every day like they would not be consistent brands they would not be a whole brand they would be scattered and that's not a viable strategy uh, absolutely not Absolutely not. I completely agree. Now, to talk about more positive things, is there any website or marketing campaign you saw recently that really moved you? Yes, yes. Uh, when you said campaign, I, I thought of um, The Imperfect Boss by Ashley Bodin. Um, I can't pronounce her surname. This happens a lot. But she's amazing. She she did this uh, Twitter campaign. Actually, it was Instagram campaign, but you can also do it on Twitter. The social campaign where you share a transparent, like a confession. So, for example, sometimes I do this and uh, I'm not really good at this. And and you kind of write it down on a piece of paper with your face and you just kind of take a picture and you share the hashtag. And so many people joined and everyone was just super, super honest. Some people were sharing mental illness. Some people were sharing just really bad choices. And we we all felt kind of more connected because I know these people and I kind of connected further with them when I saw their pictures. Hmm. That's very interesting. We'll definitely link this campaign in the blog notes um, with this episode. But it's part of being vulnerable, vulnerable which is, yes. I think, part of being authentic and transparent to yourself and to others, right? Yeah. Um, right. So now let's, let's consider something. Let's say I am a, a digital marketer. I work for a company, maybe 20 people, 30 people. Right. And one of the things that in my team we've identified is that we need to stand out more. Our company is dull. It's like very not unique whatsoever. Like there is 200 companies that mm-hmm. are the exact same, in the same city. And the, the boss has told me, well, we need to stand out more. Yeah. How do you do it? How would you do it? Well, the brand needs the its unique value. It just needs its uh, uh, differentiator because, like for example, you can be a small company of two people or ten people who are doing something everyone else is doing, but you're doing it 
uh, because. So, for example, you need purpose. You say we do it because and this is your big why. And you also need to to kind of um, hone in on your message. How do you want people to feel when they, you know, read your content, see your uh, use your product, you know, uh, visit your website? How do you want them to feel? Um, what message are you uh, sending? And and also what kind of people exactly what kind of people are going to fit with you? Like, for, for example, no bullshit marketing. Not everyone is going to relate to that. But that's great because you have a great authentic niche that you're going to love and everyone else can just bite it. <laughs> so to summarize, uh, the first three things you mentioned, find your values and purpose. So why are you doing what you're doing? Your big why? Yeah. And I think you like the, the Ted talk from Simon, uh, Senec, uh, start it? with why. Yeah. yeah. Start with why. So I start with that. why, uh, the second one is, I forgot already. Oh my God. My memory is really bad. <laughs> So you, but, unique value. How do you want people to feel? How do you want people to make to feel? people feel? Yeah, that's a very good one. Um, and then the last one, uh, I mean, the third one that you mentioned is the, the unique niche. Yes. And, and the last one, maybe, although it's not the last, um, have you read a uh, purple cow by, by Seth Godin? It's, you know, it's also a talk. So basically you see cows and, they're all boring. And at some point you see a purple car and that's exciting. So just, it, it's not about just being contrarian or just being different, but just, just, I feel like if you're yourself, you will be different because everyone is already different. And I feel like people forget that they're like, okay, what strategies can I learn? What can I do that everyone else is doing? No, start from inside and just that way, you're going to be unique naturally. Just allow yourself to, to um, yeah, open like a flower. I don't know. Is that happy? <laughs> um, I think that's a really good advice, specifically for people who are like consultants or freelancers or who want to who get on their own. Uh, I guess for digital marketers who are part of a company where they are not the only one to take decisions. No, no, mm -hmm. but that's that's a great first point. But I guess how. Let's say now it comes from you. You are the digital marketer in the, in the business. You know that this business okay. has to stand out, but okay. your boss or the people in the, you know, in the, in the office upstairs, they need to be convinced. How do you convince those people? Honestly, I'm not a really good person to ask that because I could never work with other people. It's so, <laughs> it's, it's not even funny. <laughs> I have a really, really big problem with authority. I guess you can call me a real rebel because like when someone tells me what to do, I just want to do the opposite. So, so I've had problems with bosses and uh, even just uh, co-workers I, I find that I work best when I'm uh, when I'm in charge and I direct other people or when I work with others on the same level. So, for example, when it's a collaboration and everyone's equal, I really enjoy it. But like when someone's trying to control me or micromanage me, I just get crazy and I have to get out. <laughs> but let's say it's a good boss. I'm not saying it's a, a micro, okay, okay. a controlling, manipulating, <laughs> uh, manipulative boss. Let's say it's a boss who listens to you and doesn't necessarily consider you as a, 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 
an inferior. Like even mm -hmm. a colleague, how do you convince people who are skeptical to, to do this, to actually go against the grain a little bit and find your unique purpose? I don't feel like the odds are so bad these days that I feel like the only way to stand out is to actually stand out. So basically to succeed, you need to, mm, to not to do things differently, but like there's so many blogs about like lifestyle blogs. There's so many digital agencies, uh, digital marketing agencies. There's so many this and that. And, Everything is so much. There's such an uh, overflow of everything that that the only way is to just be to stand out. It's it's. I see it honestly as the only way to succeed. Uh, not the only way. Sorry, uh, but the only. Okay, not the only way. You can try the sleazy techniques and sell your soul to the devil. That's the other way. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But um, I feel like to convince someone, I don't really uh, like convincing people because they, I, I think they should have their own opinions. But if I have to, I guess I would point out that it's the only way. So I guess a good strategy would be to just start taking a bit more risk as a digital marketer, being yourself more and show that it actually works. People connect with it and that it's not that bad, right? Yeah, I mean, risk is so scary, I guess. But the only companies that can afford not to take risks are the big ones because they've already succeeded. But if you're a small like agency or whatever and you're trying to make it, you're not really going to make it by by staying safe or whatever it's 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 why 10% of startups make it because because they take risks and they're different and they're interesting and they're new uh, talking about the future now how do you think what do you think marketers should learn now today that will help them in the next 5 years or 10 years <laughs> you know this is <sighs> This is a hard question because because marketing is now different than it was five or ten years ago. So so if they learn something now, maybe it's not going to be the same in ten years. So maybe it's going to be useless. But I feel like um, you need to adapt. Maybe this is the only useful thing that's always going to work. You need to adapt and iterate and just keep progressing without stagnating. So for example, right now, I'm not talking about following the trends. No, I'm talking about kind of intuitively um, going, I can't even explain it. You know what I mean? It's like right now, marketing is in such a, an authentic place. You know, human connection is more valued than ever. And this is because there is an overflow of, of bullshit and there's there's content shock and there's all kinds of negative stuff that's going on with consumers. So so they need actual authentic people behind those brands to give their money to. And because there's this kind of need right now, um, I'm really happy, obviously, because I I believe in the same things. But um, is it going to be the same in, in 10 years? Probably, but, but maybe with different tech. 
So, for example, right now it's live streaming and I don't know what. In 10 years, it's going to be, I don't know, uh, virtual reality. <laughs> I have no idea what, what it's going to be, but I feel like one thing can be always valued and that's human connection. That's humanity because we are at our core humans and we're never going to change. We're always going to care about love, about you know, emotion, um, inspiration, those things are never going to die, never going to get old. And while strategies are always going to change. Yeah, I completely agree with you. So I think learning to be authentic, learning to be true to yourself, learning to listen to people, empathy is very important. Yeah. That's never going to change because people are people. And evolution has created us for the last, what, 4 billion years it took <laughs> to create us. It's not like we can forget all about that in, in the next 10 years. So there's yeah. a good chance that we keep being authentic is a good strategy. Um, you mentioned a few resources already in the podcast in this episode, which I think were really good. Would you, if you could choose the top three resources for digital marketers out there, whether it's a book, a video, what would they be? Definitely the Start With Why uh, TED Talk by Simon Sinek. Um, I feel like Gary Vaynerchuk is very motivational. I mean, he hustles too much, but but he's true to himself, so I give him that. <laughs> he does hustle uh, too much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he he does really know his social media and he knows uh, the trends. He he he's kind of intuitive about the trends and where they go and where they've been. So that's really helpful to people who have no idea. <laughs> and uh, what else? Huh. Yeah, to say anything by Seth Godin, because he's my hero. He's a hardcore rebel. Everything he writes is so good and he's uh, authentic. And, um, you know, I, I have a separate uh, section in the database for marketers. I'm just trying to remember who I put there. I think it was just three or four people and I was like, why there are so many authors there are so many vloggers why so few marketers i guess because there's so few marketers that are authentic that's why yeah and that's a very good point and that's why we're, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast and in more general with with our approach is to bring back the authenticity in marketing i think it's a stat from hubspot they said that only three percent of people trust marketers yeah. <laughs> so there's a connection between the two, isn't it? Where can listeners connect with you, find more about you? They can find me on my website, violettanetkova.com. I share everything, uh, my latest projects. I blog a lot. And obviously, like, if you add slash now, you can actually see what I'm doing right now. Um, they can find me tweeting 24-7 at violettanetkova. Really 24-7. <laughs> I was never sleep. And yeah, that's mostly it. I have a Facebook group called uh, Creative Rebels, but it's not too active. So just, just go to my website and tweet at me and I'll answer. Fantastic. Uh, thanks again for all of the, those resources, uh, Violeta. Yeah, thanks. It was uh, fun. Yeah, it was definitely fun. Uh, thanks to the listeners to uh, listening to, to this episode. Um, We'll share all the resources on the podcast, on the podcast notes, so all the stuff we talked about right now. In the meantime, thanks again, Violeta, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, bye. 
That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email lists uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get. And I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests. And perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday. So don't be afraid to subscribe. I'm not going to spam you. And you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish. The second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback. We know that this show is not perfect yet. And we always... Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.